Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. For those who are good, solid members of this church, let me inform you that that comes just before 2 Corinthians, in case you ain't figured it out yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, when, when uh, I started making plans for what to preach on in a men's conference, uh, I sort of, you know, my attention was drawn to uh, the theme, overall theme of biblical prophecy, because there's nothing in the world that will encourage you if you're saved, like the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. In fact, at the Paul, after that classic passage describing the uh, second coming or the rapture in First Thessalonians 4, he said, Wherefore, comfort, which means encourage one another with these words. And there was nothing really that. However, uh, the Lord seemed to redirect that and just preach on encouragement. And so I've shoved the, uh, the prophetic theme to Sunday. And I just looked on my phone that today is Sunday. <laughs> so uh, I, that's, I'm going to preach on that theme in the Sunday school hour, teach on it, and in the morning service and the afternoon service. In the afternoon service, the Lord willing, I'm going to preach on the trumpet is out of the case. I used to, yeah, you, don't you make any comments about that. <laughs> I can't help but if you follow me all over the country. <laughs> Uh, I used to preach all over the country that that Jesus could come soon. And I, I still preach that. That's the imminent return of Christ. He could have come the day after he rose from the dead. Uh, but, I, you know, I catch myself more than ever preaching on the fact that he is coming soon. I mean, after all, we are 2,000 years closer to his return. And uh, I'll show you one specific prophecy that is on my heart, has been the last few days anyway, that convinces me that the trumpet is out of the case. And he's just ready to return, period. Uh, That's the afternoon service. In the morning service, the Lord willing, I'll preach on uh, the final sentencing of the unsaved dead. Uh, We call that the great white throne judgment. Uh, This morning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want us to... Take a little bit, just, I want to tell you what I'm going to do this morning is I'm sort of laying a foundation for the morning service and the afternoon service. Now, the truth of the matter is, a building is no good without a good foundation. However, foundation ain't much good all by itself either. So if you, if you come for Sunday school and then you leave, you missed, you got the hors d'oeuvres, but you missed the main course. Uh, so please don't miss the main course. And by the way, this afternoon we're going to have dessert, <laughs> the afternoon service. So don't miss that either. First Corinthians chapter two, verse ten. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now we usually stop there. I say we. People usually stop there. They say, well, you see, you can't know what's ahead. You can't know what heaven's like, etc. I have not seen you. have not heard. You can't. However, read the next verse. The next verse says, but God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. By the way, look at me. Here's how He reveals them to us by His Holy Spirit. 
and the truth of the matter is, prophecy is usually fairly general, but there are some intricate details that God, and I'm not talking about guesswork. I'm not talking about, you know, who's going to be the Antichrist, what's going to be the mark of the beast, what about the red heifer, etc. You know, I'm not talking about all that stuff. That's not, not, most of that's a lot of guesswork. The Bible says that when Je- that Jesus Christ will return, we'll be out of here. Then, then the Antichrist will be revealed. Not until. So don't open mouth and switch feet by running around trying to guess who's going to be the Antichrist. And then your business. You won't be here anyway, so what difference does it make? Um, uh, but uh, 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 the, the, the Bible does give us a foundation. That's what I want to do today. And I, uh, well, I think we're going to squeeze it all in. Um, I want to draw a diagram up here of God's plan of the ages in chronological order, the major events. And to, so that you'll remember it, hopefully. Because I don't see many taking notes. So you'll remember it. We'll draw a picture for you up here. We'll use that wall. We'll use the items between that wall and that wall. And hopefully, every time you come in here, you'll at least get a mental picture of the major events in chronological biblical order. Um, as you study Bible prophecy, of course you know, we all know, that the great passage in the Bible on prophecy is Revelation. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And Revelation is the only book in the Bible that is entirely prophetic. When John wrote, even chapters 2 and 3 were, were prophecy to us, their history. But the only book in the Bible that's entirely prophetic, and since it's the last book in the Bible, then if the logical logic tells me, I mean, I'm a Baptist, but, you know, we can still be logical sometimes, that, that if I'm going to get a chronological order of the events in prophecy, where should I get it? Revelation. Simple. Um, and that's the primary book we study now. Daniel in the Old Testament uh, is sort of the revelation of the Old Testament. Daniel and Revelation have a lot of similarities. But Daniel gives a good over, uh, overview. One of the primary passages to study, if you're serious about biblical prophecy, is Matthew 24 and 25. That is what we call the Olivet Discourse, because on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave the sermon. In that passage, the disciples came to him and asked him two questions. Jesus ignored the first question as he often did, and went to the second one. Because he knew that was the real one on, the, on their minds. And they, the question they asked him is, What shall be the, the is one, singular, What shall be the sign of thy coming? Now they weren't looking for the rapture. They'd never heard of rapture. They were looking for the second advent of Christ to the earth. And they said, what shall be the sign of your coming? And Jesus said, the sign that I'm returning soon to the earth is the tribulation period. And it described the tribulation period. Then it described the second advent of Christ. And then it gave, I want to say three parables, but actually it's just two. 
Uh, the first two parables are two halves of the same uh, in Matthew 25, and then the third parable to describe the events surrounding his return to earth. Um, and that's all in Matthew 24 and 25. Now, our favorite passage of Scripture to describe prophetic events is First and Second Thessalonians. The obvious reason is you and I are not looking for the second coming of Christ to the earth. When Jesus returns to the earth, we won't look for his coming. We'll come with him. Tribulation saints will look for the second advent. We look for that portion of the second coming of Christ, which is known as the rapture. Tell you what, let's do. To put it all in perspective, and this is just going to be a foundation laid. Uh, I want that wall right there to represent the cross. Okay? That okay with you? The time that Jesus lived on earth. Now, this is going to be out of, way out of proportion. Um, out of necessity. But that wall represents the cross. Talk to me, class. What does that wall represent? Yeah. Four of you. <laughs> That's not bad. The rest of you are going to be able to hide your own Easter eggs this year. <laughs> uh, that wall represents the cross. Okay? From that wall, the cross, the time that Jesus lived on earth and died, from that wall to this corner of the pulpit, we'll let that represent the period of time in which you and I live. That's known as, I'm getting away from that, that's known as the church age, or the day of grace, age of grace. Now, according to Bible prophecy, it sure does appear like we're living right in the last moments of the church age. The next major event on God's calendar of time, you, 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 you read Revelation, you'll find it in this order. The next major event on God's calendar of time, we're going to let this corner of the pulpit represent it, is known as the rapture of the church. Now the word rapture is not a Bible word. I'll cover that this afternoon. But it's a good word. Not wrong to use a non-Bible word to describe a Bible concept. If it actually does so. And that word does. That is described in Second First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. By the way, the idea of, the, of a rapture is not found anywhere in the Old Testament. It's not even hinted at in the Old Testament. It's not even found with any specific teaching in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I know what you're thinking, some of you. You're thinking, what about John 14? In his farewell address to the disciples on earth, Jesus said to them, I, uh, I, I, I'm leaving. Uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a singular one place for you. That's plural, all of you. And if or since I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, you and I understand that as rapture. However, the disciples didn't. They never heard of the concept of a rapture. Uh, they were still living in the Old Testament period of time, which doesn't end until Jesus dies. They never heard of a rapture. The only reason you and I understand that as rapture is we have the, uh, the epistles. You thought an epistle was a wife of an apostle, didn't you? We have the epistles, and that explains it to us. 
But they did not understand that as rapture. They were still expecting Jesus to establish a physical kingdom on earth. So they, they didn't understand that as a rapture. Now, I'm convinced that when John wrote it down, that when he recorded it, he understood it as rapture. For the simple reason, he didn't write the Gospel of John until 30 to 50 years after Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, which describes the rapture. So he had, <coughs> excuse me, he had, uh, you know, he had the epistles to explain it. So when he wrote it down, when he recorded it, he probably understood it as that. But when it was spoken, he wouldn't have. But that's the next major event on God's calendar of time. You read that passage. It describes it where Jesus Christ returns, comes from heaven only to the atmosphere of our clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, Revelation chapter 4, only to the atmosphere of our clouds. And doesn't come to earth at that point. He brings with him, though, the soul's of those who have already died and gone to heaven. And the Bible says that he'll resurrect their bodies, no matter what fashion they're in or where they are. And he'll refashion their bodies like his glorified body, all in a moment of time. And he'll reunite their bodies with their souls. Then the Bible says in a period of time so small that it cannot be divided. Makes it look like the same event, one and the same event. Those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up. We'll just leave here and we'll be up there in our glorified bodies in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible calls that, or we call that, the rapture. Jesus called it part of his second coming. He said, I come quickly. John called it his second coming. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. But that's the next major event on God's calendar of time. After that event, after the rapture, which is the first step of the second coming, the world goes through the first seven years, the tribulation period. Now, this is, this is very disproportionate, I understand. But the world goes through the tribulation period. Now, I've got time to go into the details of the tribulation period, but you study, you study Matthew 24, you'll read a, a great, tremendous overview of the tribulation period. You study um, Revelation 6 through 18, and you'll get a scary, I mean, a, a vivid, vivid description of the tribulation period. When you read that passage, just keep in mind that 6 through 11, a major on the events of the tribulation period, 12 through 18 fit right on top of 6 to 11. They major on the characters who play the major role in the tribulation period. What the tribulation period? Now, in Revelation 4, it describes the rapture and the surrounding events. Revelation 5 describes the holy commotion we cause in heaven when we land there. But uh, just for your memory's sake, that the wall is the cross. From there to here is the period of time we're living in. We're living somewhere right here. Next major event on God's calendar of time is the rapture. Next seven years, the tribulation period on earth. While the world goes through the tribulation period, the Bible teaches that you and I will go through two events 
somewhere in the heavens. And I'll explain why I say that in a moment. We go through, first of all, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not to determine who goes to heaven. That's determined before you leave earth. The judgment seat of Christ is a time when those of us who are saved will be rewarded for our service on earth. Now, you can read about it in Revelation 4. You can read about it on 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with about verse 12, and a host of other passages. I think Romans, what is it, 14, 12, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, a number of passages describe that event. But we will receive reward for our service for the Lord on earth. Now listen to me carefully. This is encouraging. God will not reward you based on the size of your results. God will reward you based on the sort of your service. He said what sort it is, not what size it is. God is more concerned about the character of your effort than the size of your results. We'll, we'll receive rewards. And the Bible talks about five crowns, etc. We'll receive rewards. second event we'll go through in heaven is while the world goes through the tribulation period is known as the marriage or the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now that's described in some detail, not a lot, in Revelation chapter 19. Right now, we as the church of Jesus Christ are not married to Christ. We're simply espoused to him. Let me explain the difference. An espouse, espousal in Bible times is somewhat like a, an engagement of today. Only there are some drastic differences. Nowadays, in our Western civilization, boy meets girl. Hormone, hormones flip-flop. Besides, he wants to marry that one. He goes to General Dollar Store and he buys a box of Cracker Jacks. Honey, he turns the box upside down, bottom up, the prize is always in the bottom. And he opens that bottom of that box and he gets out that little plastic ring. And he slides it on her appropriate finger and says, well, you, and she interrupts and says, boy, will I ever. And they decide to get married. Then, in our thinking, by our, I mean society, if he changes his mind, all he's got to do, if he has any guts at all, is go get his ring back, go find another one, plenty of fish in the sea. That's about our mentality. But in Bible times, an espousal was a lot different. To get engaged to, a, 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 to you know, your prospective mate, in Bible times, you had to go to court. And you had to sign a legally binding document to get espoused. And if after that, before the actual ceremony, you change your mind, you have to go back to court under the same judge and you had to file for divorce. And you're only engaged. That's pretty much the overall, but that's now, right now, Paul said this to the Corinthian church, I have espoused you to one husband. We're not married to Christ yet. We're only espoused to him. By a legally binding contract, by the way, an eternal, eternal one. But then, we'll be married to him. Okay? Let me back up again. I can see, oh, I forgot where we are. 
That wall is what, class? Cross. whoop do. doo That's three and a half of you. From that wall to this point is what? Don't fight over it. Church age. Church age. That's a day and age in which we live. And according to biblical prophecy, if you, can, if you read the news at all, if you're alert at all, you know we're living in the last or the last portion of that age. Next major event on God's calendar of time is what? The rapture. You know, in, in John chapter 11, Jesus said, most people don't realize it, but referring to that event, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's a resurrection, isn't it? Dead, live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's the rapture. They're the only ones that are never going to die. Resurrection and rapture. Then the world goes through the seven-year what? Tribulation period. You know, all about the one-world numbering system and one-world economic system, one-world police force, and one-world postal system, which we already have, and, uh, you know, all the, the Antichrist and all that, Mark of the Beast, etc. Tribulation period. Also, end of the tribulation period, at least the last three and a half years, um, the, the campaign of Armageddon. While the world goes through the seven-year tribulation period after the rapture, we go through what two events in heaven. First, the... Judgment seat of Christ. Oh, it's down to two now. <laughs> Judgment seat of Christ. Secondly, the marriage supper or the marriage of the Lamb. Then, the Bible says that we'll return with Christ to the earth. Now, you can read about it in detail in Revelation 19 and the end of Matthew 24 uh, and a host of other passages. Uh, but Jesus Christ will mount a white horse. In heaven. He'll have a vesture, the Bible says, from his shoulders to his ankles. That vesture will be dipped in blood. Not his. Theirs. Read Revelation. Of, I'm sorry, Isaiah. The first three verses of Isaiah 63. And we will mount white horses with him. Say, preacher, I don't know how to ride a horse. Well, if I you, I'd practice. I tease folks, that's a long drop if you drop, fall from up there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how God is going. I leave the details to him. Seat belts, airbags, who cares? It'll be all right. But at that point on earth, the world would have converged its armies against Israel to try to do away with the Jew once and for all. However, when they see Jesus Christ and his army, us, coming back with him, they then, the Bible says in Isaiah, turn their armory toward the sky and try to blow him out of the sky. And the Bible says, without firing a shot, without discharging a single missile, without lobbing one grenade, just by speaking a word, he will destroy the armies of the Antichrist, until the Bible teaches that their blood will flow to the horse's bridle in that massive expanse of the valley of Megiddo, which, by the way, is 200 miles long. You say, preacher, just by speaking a word? Exactly. Everything God has done 
big. I mean, big, big, big. He's done by just speaking the word. I what you say, what's he going to say? Drop dead. I don't know what he's going to say. I, I really don't. I, we're not told what, but I guarantee you, whatever he says, it's always sufficient. I can imagine. You don't mind if I use my sanctified imagination, do you? I can imagine that he's going to maybe saunter slowly off his horse, hand the reins to the likes of Greg Boer, and say something like, Hold my horse, pilgrim. This one's mine. Now, by your laugh, you're just as worldly as I am. I don't know what he's going to say. Whatever it does to make. He'll say it, and they'll be gone. The Bible says that it will take seven months to bury the bodies in that part of the world, and seven years that'll go into the millennium to clean up the debris. Then the Bible says that he'll establish his rule on earth. Between the tribulation period and, and that establishment, Daniel indicates it would probably be about 45 days. Uh, he'll judge the Jews to determine which ones get to go from the tribulation period into the millennium. Only the same. In Matthew 25, verse 30 verses. Then he'll judge the Gentiles. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. To determine which ones get to go on earth from the tribulation period into the millennium. Millennium begins with only saved people. Then for 1,000 years, and we'll let, from this, this, we'll let this be the second advent of Christ, and from this point to that wall be the millennial reign of Christ. Millennium means 1,000 years. All right, class, let me see how well you've done. Good, you're going to get a grade this time. That wall represents the cross. Hallelujah. About half of you are going to pass. <laughs> Pretty good record. From that wall to this point in the... Don't move this pulpit. By the way, I don't like the idea that I'm standing right in the middle of the tribulation period. <laughs> so I'm not going to be here. But from that wall to this corner, the pulpit represents... Huh? Church age. Yeah, day in which we live. That corner of the pulpit represents the rapture. And from here to here represents on earth tribulation period. It's getting a little quieter now. While, we, while the world goes through the tribulation period, we'll go through to events in the heavens. And I, I didn't say in heaven because Jesus said, referring to this, when I come, I, I, I come quickly and my reward is with me. I can't understand why he would bring his reward with him from heaven to our clouds just to turn around and take it back again. So it looks like those next two events take place somewhere in the heavens. But we go through two events while the world goes through the tribulation period. The first one is judgment of Christ. The second one is oh boy, this is smart people. You've taught them well, Pastor. At the end of that seven-year period, Jesus Christ returns to earth, wipes out the we return with him. He wipes out the armies of the Antichrist, the armies of the world that have gone and converged against Jerusalem, against the Jews. And then from here to that wall represents what, church? Don't say a food pounding. From here to that wall represents millennium. Jesus Christ will rule the world as the world theocratic dictator for 1,000 years. 
There will be sin, but it will be put down with a rod of iron. I, it starts with just the same, but they'll have children and generations down the road. Uh, some will be evil, but their evil will be put down with a rod of iron. And he'll rule the world. I mean, the course of nature will be changed, uh, seasons and length of life and all of that. Just uh, not allowed. Read, read about it in, in Isaiah 65 and 66. Uh, but he'll rule the world for a thousand years. Now, I'm leaving out detail for sake of time. At the end of that thousand years, there's an event described. That, that thousand years described in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10. The end of that thousand years, from 11, verses 11 to 15, there's another event that takes place. We call it the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to say much about that because I'm going to preach on that, the Lord willing, in the morning service. The great white throne judgment for all the unsaved. Then, after the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Because the old heaven and the old earth will have been destroyed. God will destroy it. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that this entire ball of earth will be gone and it will start a whole new... Not at all. If you read every passage that refers to the earth being destroyed, it always talks about it, uh, the new earth being like, uh, like putting on a new garment. The indication is the surface of the earth will be renewed. But my soul, after the tribulation period, it will need a new surface. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible tells us about a city. 1,500 cubic miles, 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles this way. That will descend from God out of heaven. You read about it, Revelation 21, 1 through 22, 6. That new city is called the Holy City, the New Jerusalem. That's the place where you and I will live with Jesus Christ forever. I preached a message on that recently. Some of you disciples might have heard it. I don't recall. Anyway, uh, that's where we'll live with him forever. On the new earth, in the new Jerusalem. Now, basically, basically, that's, that covers all bases. Tell you what I'm going to do, Pastor, if it's all right with you. I have right here in front of me, I've got one of those Bibles with a blank page between every page. Don't worry, I'm not going to write new scripture. If I were, I would call it First and Second Andy, and I'd put it right after Amos. But I'm not going to. That's designed for taking notes. I have all of that, all of what I said this morning, sort of in outline form, along with the scriptures. And if you're dying for a copy, because I am yourself, I've had time really to cover many bases. Period. Tell you what I'll do. I'll let the pastor take a copy of that. You have a copy machine? You have a copy machine too? I'll let him take a picture of that and at his discretion way he, he can give it out to you. Make as many copies as he wants. But anyway, God's cut. That, that basically, if you get a, uh, a fairly decent handle on that, you won't have any problem at all with those who come along and try to teach you that Jesus is not coming at the beginning of the rapture of the tribulation period, is coming in the middle or at the end. You won't get messed up by those heretics. 
if you'll have a good handle on the overall picture. I have not seen nor ear heard the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Well, let's see, i got 57 seconds to say a closing prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which certainly is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for being so concerned about our peace of mind that you would put so much very clear detail in your word about what we can look forward to. I pray your blessing on the service to follow. Challenge. Stir every heart. Please. In Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, if you go out to the parking lot and get in your car and leave now, your car will self-destruct in five minutes. So don't go anywhere. <laughs>